Hello, y'all. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. I'm Isabel. I'm Catherine. And we are finally back after an impromptu hiatus. It was due to college and general confusion. Uh, and a lot of other stuff. Now we're back. And we're and full of stuff and things to talk about, including the World Cup of Hockey, systemic racism, domestic violence. And we are going to start with our foray into Boston before we both left for college in the beginning of August. We went to many places in Boston, mostly sampling various vegan cuisines. And also catching Pokemon. <laughs> and also catching a lot of Pokemon. That was really fun. Yeah, and so we went to the, we wanted to go to the Bruins Pro Shop. And in case anybody doesn't know, it's basically at like a train station. It's like a train station is like directly across the street for the subway. Well, actually, it's over the train the station Bruins. too. It's a lot like yeah. Madison Square Garden. So we thought it closed at six. On days where they didn't have a game. Let me just point out that Catherine was the one that found this information. No one's perfect. And so we thought it closed at six. And so we left at the Boston Common. Great place to Pokemon hunt. It's incredible. Even though it was like a hundred, literally 100 degrees. You we think went, it was hot there? Was you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so then we left to go. We were like, oh, well, if it closes at six, we can get ice cream before and then go to the pro shop but we decided to get go to the pro shop first and it's a good thing we did because we strolled in at about 4 45 when it closed at five so we basically we somehow sprinted we sprinted up the escalator so like you enter and it's the train station and then upstairs is the pro shop so we sprinted up the escalator and then we go upstairs and there's a bunch of like red velvet ropes and also security guards and like security guards, and like nobody was in the pro shop, and the door was closed. So we were like, maybe this isn't the entrance. And so we went back downstairs, walked around in a circle, said, that was the entrance. It's still open. Like, we're going to barge in there. So we ran back up the escalator at like 4.50. We both were like, we went into the pro shop and went like, basically did like a huddle and went, okay, break. And then you found a shot glass. Yep. I found a t-shirt. I found a Bruins Winter Classic keychain on clearance. For two dollars, because nobody wants anything that has to do with the Winter Classic. So true. And so we hightailed it out of there. We were in and out in like ten minutes. I felt so bad for the the people who are working there. I was like, I'm so sorry. We thought it was at six. There was like a family of five who were in there. There were people were like there. chilling. There were people like there sitting were, down. I was like, what are you yeah. doing? There was like a family in there. They were in there before us, and we left before them. So like, we aren't the ones to blame. So yeah, exactly. And now yeah. my shot glass collection is what, four glasses strong? Because I have the Bruins, the Washington Capitals, the New York Liberty, which is a WNBA team, and the Rangers. That's and very exciting. I don't drink, but collecting shot glasses is cool. Yeah, it is. I have a, Now I have a, a new keychain for my set of keys for a car I don't currently have. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's the whole story. But anyway, and then so I have that keychain. I have a jersey. A Bergeron shirt jersey, which was an adventure to get because it was I'm short and it was on a very high thing. Usually they have those so, poles that you can get stuff down with. I, I searched, but I could not find one. And we only had three minutes, so yeah, <laughs> wasn't great. So anyway, that was our adventure in the Boston. So next time we are going ever... to call and find out the actual hours. <laughs> well, now we know. Yeah, now we know. But um, yeah, so if you're ever at TD Garden, I would recommend going to the pro shop. It's very nice. It is really nice. They just rebuilt it up there, which is why, like, it used to be on the first floor, 
And now it's on the second floor. Yeah, it's very nice. It is really nice. Next time I'd like to spend some like more actual time in there instead of like frantically trying to find shot glasses. It is what it is. We live in Luna. It is what it is. We got some really awesome vegan ice cream that day, so it was it was all worth it. It was so worth it. We had some really good vegan Asian food. So oh, that was so was good. Well let's shout out where we went. So we went to My Thai Vegan Cafe. Uh which and is- bubble tea in Chinatown. Delicious. It was really good. Then we went to FOMU, which is the ice cream place. And they have, like, three locations throughout Boston. It's so good. I'm, oh, gosh, it's so amazing. Is that the s'more flavor? Holy oh. shit. I'm, like, crying. You can't really tell, but I'm, like, crying a little bit. It's she so was good. getting really emotional when we got that ice cream. I got really emotional. I've been wanting this ice cream for, like, over a year. So we went there, and then we went to a place that we had been to, like, three times before in one day. Uh, the diner called Veggie Galaxy. It's, it's amazing. amazing if you haven't been. They have really good ice cream and really good fries. Yes, really good uh, shakes. Mm. I'm a fan of those. Their fries are delicious too. So speaking of Veggie Galaxy, the location is perfect. The reason why we know about Veggie Galaxy is because we were able to go to a Boston Pride game last year, which is like you get off at the same subway stop to go to each place. So it was really convenient to go there. So we went twice before and after the game. Worth it. Yep. But now, unfortunately, that is no longer the case because their new arena is nowhere near Veggie Galaxy. Yeah, that is really terrible news. And, and doubly <laughs> terrible, their ske- the NWHA schedule was just released and we found out that poor Isabel cannot attend a Pride game. It year. is devastating, frankly. It is devastating. Yeah. They're taking their like winter break and they just have a bunch of away games. So I might convince Catherine to go to Connecticut with me to watch a game uh, but that's so the that's the closest we could start a thing. We could go to like Boston for a game Hartford Buffalo and then we could go to New York for a game yeah like my we goal go is we're gonna visit Toronto uh see like see Buffalo teams play and see Toronto teams play since they're literally like 60 miles apart not even Anywho, I have big dreams about seeing all of the uh, NWHL, CWHL, and NHL teams in their arenas, hence the shot glass collection. But we're both college students, as we previously mentioned, so that's not super likely to happen anytime soon. But, you know, it's good to have goals. Exactly. I also have a goal of seeing all the 50 states. That's not going to happen anytime soon, but I can work slowly towards it. The fact that you drove to Alabama from New Hampshire will help you out it, it does in fact help me out a lot now i have i'm hoping to get to five states that i haven't been to around alabama before the year ends um just because my total right now is 15 states so i'll bring it up to 20 so uh that's the goal anyway we're kind of off track but we're basically i am incredibly sad because i won't be able to see the pride play or the C- the cwhl the cwhl schedule is the same way i believe i won't be able to see them play either oh that's a bummer yeah, it is very sad. Yeah. Moving on to something that we both have either made fun of or have determinedly like forced ourselves not to care about, which I think means we care, which is the World Cup of Hockey. And they started playing exhibition games, which, going to be honest, haven't seen. The, the, th- the thing is, like, just like diving right in, we all were like, okay, exhibition games are the pre-season games to a pre-season event to the pre-season to the actual season, which is kind of like a preseason for the postseason. So the level of it doesn't matter is so incredibly low. But then we saw U.S. for Well, we didn't actually watch it, but we did hear about it. The U.S. versus Canada game was the most intense playing of hockey. Was, I've seen highlights. It literally, 
looked like a playoff game. <laughs> it was so intense. I mean, someone like got uh, like thrown out for boarding. Like, oh, yeah. someone got a concussion, yep. probably, although they didn't like report it or anything. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, couture. Um, yeah. so it was like too intense, frankly. So you know what? I'm um, honestly, this is making me excited for the World Cup of Hockey because if that's the intensity of USA Canada in the exhibition, hopefully it'll be really intense during the tournament. But another part of me is like, I don't want to see Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Yeah, boarded. Like, Can I tell you? Concussion. Patrice and Marshawn, Marshy, were on the same line as Tyler Sagan. And I was like, yes. Oh and then Sags got hurt. Surprise, surprise. Um, everyone's hurt. <laughs> Everyone was hurt before the tournament. Everyone's getting hurt during the tournament. Um, it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I found it funny that they released a press statement saying David Krejci won't be able to play. And I'm like, he said that in, like, April. He was like, yeah, I won't be able to play. Yeah. And then they put him on the roster. And then he was like, yep. Still can't play, like I said. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just because he's a big name. So that's yeah. No, that makes sense, though. Going back to um, USA versus Canada's, like, style of play, it bothers me because it just shows, like, the coaching style of John Tortorella, which, like, first of all, why the hell is he the head coach of the USA team? It should be Pete Lavillette. I think everybody can agree. I feel like literally... Like, you could have gotten a coach from junior, and it would have been, like, better. <laughs> I know. It could be anyone. It's just, it's just, it's... It, like, if he thinks the way to win this is to, like, intimidate the Canadian team and, like, throw bodies is. around. The Canadian team is unintimidated. Un- you can't intimidate them. <laughs> exactly. Just like they're you couldn't too- pronounce that word. <laughs> exactly. They're too, they're extremely skilled, but they're also extremely big. And yeah. Strong. yeah they, they literally have... have it all like they literally are the like the best team like how it's impossible to... and it's so interesting too because the best team even without players that should have been named to the squad like we've talked about before Subban still not on there Kessel injured but was still never named to it like even without and they don't have any of the U23 guys like Connor McDavid they have even... Canada has so many good players that they have a team made up of players that are better than the other team's players that are there because of injuries. Does that make sense? Like, their yeah, injured they're reserve injured. is better than the other teams. Oh, my God. But yeah. that being said, I'm still rooting. I'm definitely rooting for Team North America. I think I'm rooting for either, like, Team Rest of Europe has a place in my heart because Ugh. it's so ridiculous. Same. Is and that also, like, I think it would be really fun if, like, Team Czech Republic one. Yeah, is that what Z's on? Big Z? No, he's from Slovakia. He's on rest of Europe. Oh, okay. I forgot because of like. Difficult because on Wikipedia it says he was born in Czechoslovakia. Exactly, and you're like, shit. (laughs) But which one? Exactly. So so I'm getting more, the closer the World Cup of Hockey approaches, I'm getting more excited for it. Yeah, it's so interesting because. I I had forgotten, like, I continually forget that this isn't the actual season, like, mm. the, sorry, the actual tournament, because it's, it has such an intensity, you know? Yeah. It's also really cool that they, aren't they, didn't they play a game in, like, Finland, like, Russia The teams, yeah, from what I understand, the teams are playing in their home, the country they're representing. That's really cool. That's a good way to market the tournament. 
Yeah. And another thing that I think we should mention, and this leads so perfectly into another one of our talking points that we were going to talk about later, but anyway, um, the anthems they chose, is it actually true that they chose to play both U.S. and Canada for the North America and no anthem for Europe? That's what I heard. I don't, that's what I've heard. I thought, my initial thought, like, for Team Rest of Europe was play all the anthems at the same time. But then my realistic thought was, like, because the European Union anthem is Ode to Joy. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they could just do Ode to Joy. But then I'm like, I don't know. Like, are all of the countries represented on Team Rest of Europe in the EU? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think they are, but... that one of them's not. Like, I haven't looked that up or anything, but that would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be super awkward. And from what I understand, they aren't playing Anthem for them. I just looked it up, yeah. and it, the most recent news is that they aren't. And I honestly think that's, like, the good choice. That's a good call. Because I definitely agree. Like, apparently what happened was the they asked the players, like, they were going to play Joy, and they were like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable with playing it. Like, I'm proud of where I, like, my home country, and I don't want to, like, diss that by, like, you know, honoring another Anthem, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, because... North America is just two countries. It makes sense to play two anthems. Like, it's not weird to play two anthems, you know? Yeah, exactly. But if you played, like, nine, that would be really funny. Yeah. So, I, think, I think for as ridiculous an idea it is to have a team rest of Europe and a team North America, I think they're making it work, you know? I, I honestly think, like, I think the problem with it is that it can be, like, kind of put offish to the players and maybe some fans who are from those countries that feel, like, slighted. But I honestly think it's it's kind of like having... It's kind of like in gym class and people just choose teams, but it's not like that, you know? I don't know. It is... There is an element of fun to it. Another thing I noticed when I was looking at the schedule, the last final game, which is, like, an if-necessary game, is during the preseason game that I will be attending. So the... The World Cup of Hockey is during the preseason, which I think I just, like, conveniently ignored. So an article was released today on the Pension Plan Puppet site. Um, I can't wait to hear how that sounded in the mic. Um, <laughs> which is the Leafs uh, SB Nation site um, about uh, Melissa Geshwin's uh, campaign to send every NHL team a fan letter asking them to um, do something, put in place policies regarding sexual assault and domestic violence. Um, so it, she said that she got 44 letters in total, um, one for every team. So the article detailed, um, because it was the Leafs site, talked it, uh, spoke with the five players who wrote, or sorry, the five fans who wrote um, to the Leafs, including Geshwind. Um, and actually, one of the people's from Australia. We'll link to the article in our podcast description. Um, and it was actually like a really good article. Uh, one thing that was kind of disheartening is um, Melissa said that she has started hearing back from teams. She sent them follow-up emails. Um, and some of them are very like uh, brush-off-ish. You know, like, yeah, I got your email. Like, apparently one response was just, Yes, we received the email, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that, I'm really hoping that this is kind of just the beginning and that more people start to recognize how much of a problem this is and become more motivated to do something about it. I mean, the teams were never going to make a change unless they realized how unhappy people were with the way it is. And so the only way to make change, even if they are being really hurt, and like, yes, we received the email, is to say something. You know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm really hoping that this is like I'm hoping that more and more fans 
yes, that this is the start, not the end. And I, I really do think that that's what's going to happen just because of how dedicated a, a lot of people are um, to this issue. Um, and that kind of tied into um, another thing that we were going to talk about, which was something that I saw um, a little while back. And it's that the Devils, uh, the New Jersey Devils AHL affiliate is um, has begun to terminate the contract of one of its team members. Uh, ben Johnson was his name, um, who was convicted of sexual assault. Um, so they've they released a very short statement saying they've begun to terminate his contract. Yeah, saying that they began the process of terminating his contract, which is a step in the right direction. I think they're doing basically the exact right thing that you should do in that situation, which is to get rid of the contract. So, I mean, I really, yeah, like, kudos to the devils. I definitely hope that it's um, the start. Like I said before, it's not the impetus for more change um, at the NHL level. Um, rather than just like keeping it to the AHL level. It's, I mean, this summer we've heard so many more stories of um, sexual assault and domestic violence perpetrated by players. Um, And it's really just like, it's so disturbing to see like, to see how much the league doesn't care. We've talked about this before. That's like, we talk about it every episode. But when you just are so callous about the fact that some people, like the fact that you want to use people like Patrick Kane in your advertising just speaks to how completely unaware of the issues you are, you know? It's just a complete disregard to not even the issue, but to the fact that they, almost seem, they seem willfully ignorant of the fact that people might actually have an issue with. Like, they're almost trying to say, like, stop, stop, stop being so petty, stop being ridiculous, and just trying to tell people. Like, oh, you shouldn't, not only do we don't care, but we don't think you should care either. That's just the vibe. Yeah. And it's very much like one of those things where it's like, oh, someone's accusing this person. Well, it's clearly just an attempt to like um, tarnish their fame. And because exactly because I have that like false belief, I'm going to not investigate the facts. Like I'm not going to, it's like as soon as someone hears that this has happened, they like, just throw their immediate and complete and total support behind that person, which is like so devastating just because that that culture of victim blaming and like the assumption that there is a certain person who perpetrates acts of violence, specifically sexual assault and domestic abuse. We all know that's not true, um, but we don't all know that's true. Not true. And just the idea that, like, someone who is X, someone who's famous, someone who's good at hockey can't perpetrate these acts of violence is really telling victims that or telling survivors that like if they're not if their perpetrator is someone who is good at something then they aren't really a perpetrator right and it's just so toxic um and it really is like it's so devastating especially to female fans who are more likely to have been survivor who have survived um sexual assaults uh, domestic violence and trauma like that yeah it's telling it's sending a bad message all around. It's telling the victims that they don't matter. And it's telling the perpetrators and people in those positions of power and like being a well-known person that like, oh, you can do this and you can pretty much always get away with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's very frustrating. Um, but, but it is encouraging that the um, devils reacted that way. Exactly. Um, I was really surprised, actually. Um, but at the same time, it's 
easier for them to do that when it wasn't someone who's like, he's clearly not a top prospect because I haven't, well, not mm-hmm. that I've heard of all top prospects, but I didn't know who this dude was. Um, it's definitely easier for a minor league team to do that. Exactly. So basically, we just have to continue doing what we're doing, continue lobbying our teams, even if that just means tweeting. That's something. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. we need to do more than that. Anything better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, we can debate that. But, <laughs> but you, know, you know what I meant. I know what you're saying, yeah. It's better. Complacency is really the, the biggest evil here, I think, uh, typically mm-hmm. in these types of issues. Which, yeah. um, we're going to bring it back to our boy PK. He, I think the reason I, I wanted to talk about them, him, was because he released a video because it's been one year since he pledged ten million dollars to the Montreal Children's Hospital. Um, so he released a video about that one year, um, and it was like it had a bunch of kids from the hospital like dancing in it, um, and like in the video. And I thought it was really, it was really cool because even though I don't know if you've seen the video, but um, a lot of it involved like people like children who didn't who appear to be like actual dancers and like professional dancers understandably because of like the nature of the video he did include people who like weren't able-bodied and like were actually sick and like all that stuff in the video which is really nice to see just because a lot of times when you see that kind of stuff it's like clearly not people who are actually in that situation and there's not any representation so um I don't know it's just like again just a really heartwarming video from PK and yeah it was just keeps doing that. It keeps making me very happy whenever I get sad that he's traded. Yeah. It's interesting because he's situated in such a unique place being a black person in a majority white league. And when he's asked, like during his Sportsnet interview right after the trade or a month after the trade, um, the interviewer asked him about, I don't remember the exact question, but he asked him something about like how his race, like how he like thoughts about some like racist and racism and like something like that. And he basically did one of those, like, I want to be a role model for all people, not just like black kids. And, uh, so we'll see how, um, it's just tough because how can he talk about those issues? Like as the person that he is, you know, it's the kind of thing where there is really no right answer. There's definitely a wrong answer, but there's no right answer. Because, like, you can say, oh, I don't want to just be a role model for black people. I want to be a role model for everybody. Like, how can you fault him for saying that? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I'm hoping, like... I hope the National Predators win the Stanley Cup because... <laughs> I can't say that. Yeah, exactly. That's... I hope you get the cut. <laughs> I hope the team institutes a comprehensive policy against sexual assault and domestic violence and then i hope they cut mike ribeiro and other people who perpetrated sexual violence and then i hope they win the stanley cup (laughs) so speaking of cutting from the roster the expansion draft is um slowly encroaching upon us and uh there's a certain member of the boston bruins who i would really enjoy to see go to the las vegas whatever's and his name is kevin miller fuck kevin miller Honestly, it's not Kevin's fault, but... I mean, it is. He sucks. Actually, it's not. Because, if, yeah, if somebody gives you an offer for, like, millions of dollars more than you deserve... Like, fucking take yeah, it. Never take it. Like, yeah. Especially like, the NHL, because it's guaranteed progress. Like, I would be like, oh, I'm worth $2.5 a year for four years? Yes, yeah, Yeah, of course I am. Even when he's just not. He's such a... He seems like such a nice guy. And his dad seems really nice. So I feel bad, but he's just not yeah, a good I player. Honestly, Kevin Miller as a person, like, he seems great. He seems like he'd be fun to hang out with. 
He's a good Massachusetts boy. I don't. He's a good Boston boy. I don't want him on the team. I don't want him on the team. Fun in Las Vegas. Just, it's like so hard. Like, so I met recently a bunch of hockey fans. And they are like, so, like, who is your team? And I'm like, well, the Bruins, because, like, that's, you know, who I grew up. Well, I didn't really grow up liking them, but, like, who the team that I have to like because they're my hometown team. But I hate them right now. Like, I hate the organization. I think, like, we're, like, we've been crawling into a pit of despair because of their, like, need. Because of how everything to me goes back to capitalism. It's such a problem. It's actually, anyway, but. Because they need to get to the playoffs to make money, like make a lot of money, they keep like clawing desperately to get to the playoffs instead of rebuilding the team, which is what really needs to happen, or at the very least some kind of major retooling. Do you think they'd ever leave Z unprotected? I don't think they can leave him unprotected because I believe he has an OT. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if on the lap if they traded him and he waived his no trade. I wouldn't be terribly shocked. But I, it's the kind of thing where I could see it easily going either way, and, like, neither would surprise me. Yeah. You know? I'm not expecting really anything. It's so funny because I remember just, like, even at the beginning when we started this podcast and, like, before that, I was like, oh, no, I don't want, like, I don't want my players that I, like, have watched for years and loved, like, leave. But now I'm just like, cut them to the bone. Like, <laughs> rebuild. I, like, I want to watch it burn because then I'll at least have a sense of hope. You know, like mm. it's like right now we're like in a fever and we need the fever to break before we can move on and heal. And so it's just like it's so tough because we I know like looking at them, I'm like, yeah, they're not going to be good this year. Probably not going to be good next year. Huck Daddy released that sort of a season preview for all the teams. And the Bruins one was like, are they going to be better or worse or the same as last year? And they were basically like um, different. Like they're not going to be worse. They're not going to be better. They're going to be different. Like. But not the same. Like, yeah. Nobody knows. Like, they're not going to be that much better. They're not going to be that much worse. But they're not going to be the same. It's like... I definitely so, don't think, like... I don't think they're going to be in playoff contention in the same way. I think they could, uh, just because the Atlantic... Yeah. You think the... You think Florida and the Lightning are going to be the top two, I'd imagine? I think so. I think Tampa, far away, will be the top. Yeah. And then... Yeah. So um, I saw someone's bracket for the season, and they had, like, the Canadians, like, in the middle. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, I guess Carey Price could, like, save them. The Canadians are a wild card because of Carey Price. But also, I think people are overestimating um, just them, the Canadians yeah. in general. Because, like, I don't, I don't think it's you should expect a goalie to be able to carry a team for a whole season. The goalie he can't might- score. Like, you know, he might um, lift them up for maybe maybe even like half a season, like till January or December. But I don't think they're going to I they might pull a lease and just like drive the truck off the cliff, you know? Yeah. I don't think you should count on your goalie to be able to drag you in the playoffs with a roster and a coach like that. Yeah. My fear. Unless they get somebody else behind the bench. I don't see how they're going to make the playoffs. Like, I really can't. Unless Carey Price turns into Jesus. Like, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. My fear is that um, they'll do like they'll be mediocre, like they'll be just out of a playoff spot and they will continue to be. And then they the upper management won't fire Bergevin and Terrian because they're like, oh, we were just we were almost there. And that's what really needs to happen for them to be successful. I think they need to just like, you know, drain the wound. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. clear it out. 
That's what needs to happen. And the Bruins are in the same position. Where they just There are certain aspects of that roster that just need to be gotten rid of. But it's so interesting because the Canadians like are already setting up Pacioretty to be the fall, the fall guy. Like there are already there are already rumors circulating of people criticizing him and saying like he's not doing what he should be doing and all this other stuff. Um, so they're already they're already they're already ready to to make him the fall guy and trade him. And once he's traded, like Carey Price isn't going to stick around for a team that sucks when he's the best goalie in the world. Yeah, I just they just need really need to fire Michelle Perry, but Mark Bergevin they need to fire Mark Bergevin I I don't know it's interesting just because like seeing it it's interesting just because you originally like originally I was like oh those Canucks like they're unique and how shitty like how they are becoming a bad team and now I'm like wow nope that's every team you know I think I think the real like I think that Oilers are probably the exception because they've just been so bad while getting so much it's disgusting frankly the Oilers make me sick yeah, like the Adam Larson trade. Anywho. Oh, Jesus. All right. So, do you want to talk about what is weirdly maybe the biggest sports story, like, recently? Like, it's so good. Is Which is Colin Kaepernick, which we don't even need to explain. Everybody knows. Yeah. You know, it's been all over the place. His jersey is the number one selling NFL jersey. Which is amazing. It's like, it's, I love it. Like, honestly... And the thing is, Colin Kaepernick isn't even that great of a quarterback anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He's, kind of like, He's like the backup. Yeah. So, like, I find it, honestly, like, kudos to him for doing that. Because, like, yeah, he has a right to use his platform as an athlete to say something about the world and, like, his political views. I forget who said it. It might have been Steve Dangle. It probably was. But, like, Muhammad Ali just passed away. And everybody was commending him for how he stood up for what he believed in, even though it could have hurt his career. And then Colin Kaepernick does the same thing. Sure, to a lesser extent, but still basically the same idea. And people are just like fucking roasting him and yeah. calling him out. And it's just, it's so hypocritical. Yeah, there's know? this really interesting video that um, we'll link in the description um, but with this person, Dylan Marin, um, and he is with Seriously TV. And it's just like a YouTube thing, uh, but he is a person of color, and he talks about how can people of color protest in a way that, like, oppressors or white people will accept. And he comes to the conclusion that can it can... I, can I have a guess? Sure. They can. Yes. Basically, he comes to the conclusion that, like, they can't. It's only when we remember past people in a way that we want to remember them. So Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, like only in death, in a disremembering of who they really were and what they really stood for, for can we ex- like venerate them? So like people think that like people, especially white mm-hmm. people, twist the yeah. idea of who they are to fit their standards and their narrative. Yeah. Um, But I would say, like, it's so interesting because people are like, this isn't the way to do it. He needs to make, he needs to do something that's, like, material and real. Okay, so he says he's going to donate a million dollars of his salary, the first million he makes this year, to charities. His team said they're going to donate a million dollars to two local charities that will work with social justice issues. Kudos to them. Is that not, is that not something social? Like, is that not the answer to the criticism? The thing that I don't get is that people say, well, he should do something more material and more real. Like, and what are you doing? You're bitching on Twitter. Like, that's what you're doing. 
you're not doing anything. Yeah, and like clearly this is material and real if it's all we're talking about. Yeah. The thing is, people making, because yes, him kneeling during the national anthem does not directly affect change. Like in a way, donating money to a charity will, but it does, arguably, does more than that. Yeah. Not more than that, but. No, I would agree with that. It's like, it's kind of like in the, I don't know. Rosa Parks refusing to move on the bus didn't actually do anything. But it It catalyzed an entire city. Exactly. It's like in the early 60s uh, with the second wave of the women's movement. um, It was called consciousness raising. And it was basically just a bunch of women got together and talked about issues they've been facing and realize that other people feel the same way. And so it's kind of like that, um, in that it's getting people to talk about it. And by getting people to talk about it, you're forcing people to think about these issues. And then you're, you are enacting real change. I mean, he, people are donating millions of dollars, um, to organizations. And it's, I think one of the things that I like, one of the things to come out of this that I really, really appreciated um, was when Megan Rapino kneeled during the national anthem. She's um, a U.S. Women's National Team uh, member, so she is a soccer player, one of the best in the world. She also is gay, um, and she also plays on a uh, NWSL team, National Women's Soccer League team. And so after Colin Kaepernick did, uh, he sat during the national anthem during the preseason, and now he's starting to kneel. Um, she kneeled. Um, and afterwards her comments like really spoke to me because she said like white people need to be allies in this movement. I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said white people need to be allies. We don't need to be the center of attention, but we need to be there supporting people of color, uh, as they, in their struggle. And I thought it was, I thought that was so like crucial, um, just to like the level of understanding that she had, like as a person who like as a white person, like to to be an ally in a movement versus co-opting the movement. Um, and she also talked about how she's like, I don't know, like I don't know all of the stuff I need to know about this issue, but I really want to be educated about it and I want to learn. And so I think like both of those points were so crucial, um, especially for me as someone who like strives to be a, as a white person, an ally or a co-conspirator in the movement. Um and, and when people say that this isn't putting anything on the line, like they're not ma- making affecting real change. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, but one of the football players, I think on the Seahawks or the Bengals, that's clearly uh, disparate teams, but he has knelt during at least twice um, and he has lost sponsorships because of it, which is like that's one of the main ways that athletes make money after because of how, you know, taxes work and all of that stuff. So um yeah like to, to say i know um jeff merrick after muhammad ali died put a really good way where he said i don't think we're ever going to get the equivalent of muhammad ali of somebody standing up for what they believe in as an athlete in the same way because of that because they're so nobody wants to lose those sponsorships because that's the money that keeps you going after you retire is that sponsorship money. and i think it's really awesome for these athletes to be willing to put that stuff on the line to do this in an kind of in a time in history where like it seems like nobody is willing to stand up for what they believe in you know what i mean like popular culture yeah no i know exactly what you're saying um it seems like every single thing anybody says out of their mouth is a corporate sponsorship (laughs) so it's just kind of like it's refreshing to see people who are putting those types of sponsorships on the line to stand up for something yeah 
And I would say I've been very frustrated by the lack of white people who have been um, taking part. Uh, So I'm hoping that will kind of increase as the season gets going. Um, Of course, I can't expect much from my hometown team, who's like owner Mm -hmm. and like star are both Trump supporters. So I vomit inside. Yes. Oh, no. Which is kind of ironic when you consider that he's married to a Brazilian woman. Anyway. um, Oh, Tom. Another thing that I wanted to mention. I I used to love Tom Brady. God, I just want to. It's so funny because I never. Do you ever learn something that you just, like, wish you didn't know? Yes. That's one of them. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I never realized how, like, universally hated the Patriots were outside of New England. Oh, my God. They're literally, like, one of the most hated sports franchises. Time. Yeah. Everybody hates them. Which, My, yeah. Yeah. Because they have been caught cheating and they've won a lot. Yeah, that's basically it. One thing I did want to mention is um, high schoolers have also been doing this. And there have been some, I read some really interesting and good articles where coaches have been supporting it and doing it as well, um, kneeling during the anthem or doing some other form of protest. Some people have doing the um, black power fist. Some people have been linking arms. Some of the people linking arms are to oppose and some are to support. So there's a interesting point of clarification. But one thing of note, because I am at school right now in Alabama, um, something that came across my timeline was a pastor at a high school football game and in the south football is basically religion basically like almost in these words said we will we should shoot anybody who kneels during the national anthem like referencing people like at the game who had done that um and he was this was a pastor it wasn't like a sports commentator it was like a pastor a preacher i don't i'm not very good with that kind of terminology the level of like vehemence and like violence and antagonism towards something that is a peaceful protest should say everything shouldn't it like shouldn't that say everything because kneeling during the anthem literally hurts nobody like it's you can't get more peaceful than that like yeah it's literally impossible like it's actually impossible to be more peaceful than that it's just and i don't understand the vitriol behind it because you know that that same person that pastor would definitely say something about well, I can have a Confederate flag in my lawn because it's freedom of speech. But yeah. you can't kneel during the national anthem. And we should shoot. And just the level of hypocrisy and just like ignorance and complete lack of self awareness. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. And one thing I I did want to mention as well with the Megan with Megan Rapino, she after her after she knelt the first time, she said, Yes, I will be continuing to do this. And so the next game they had um was against the Saddle Seattle Rain. I do believe, um, or is it the Washington spirit? Either way, um, the co the owner of the team, Bill Foley is a veteran and is also apparently like vehemently terrible. Apparently he is homophobic. He's, it's the only team that doesn't have a pride night in the NWSL. Um, and of course, Rapino is gay, like I mentioned before. Um, and so he decided to, play the national anthem before the teams left the locker room so that she would be unable to kneel during it. Oh. And you know what? That's bad enough. It's like, okay, you're going to use your power to prevent someone else from peacefully protesting. But okay. Then he released a statement about it, which was just incredibly, incredibly vitriolic. And he, he used the words, and this was on the 
I think it was the 10th of September, so the day before 9-11, he decided to say that she hijacked the national anthem. And so she afterwards, when, like, asked about this by the press, and when she saw the statement, was like, I cannot believe that he said that. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing all of this. Um, We'll link to an article. But she's like, how could he say that when tomorrow, like, what we're, you know? And so it's also interesting to see people who have decided to come out in support and say like, he doesn't represent all veterans. And I don't think that. Um, so at least there's some people who are. Honestly, I could, if, if somebody says, I don't think you should protest by kneeling during the national anthem. If they think like, I don't think that I think that's like a disrespectful form of person who shouldn't do it. Honestly, if they say that in a respectful way, like we just have like a, a like a difference of opinion. Like that's 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 discourse. That's like normal human conversation. Yes. But the fact that he is actively hijacking a peaceful form of protest and invoking just like nine eleven like ideas the day before, it's just like it's just a disgusting way to express your opinion. Like it's just Yeah, exactly. It's just disgusting. Like what a prick. What a prick. Exactly. So for every, it's just so, For it seems like for every two steps forward, you take one step back. You know, I surround myself with people who, like, have similar tolerant, accepting, loving views that I do. So it's, it's always, it can be kind of shocking to me to see, like, the amount of, like, hate coming from people that I would never really think of it coming from. Mm-hmm. No, I know, I understand. It happens when you... And, you know, that's, I personally think that it's really good to make sure you, not surround yourself with, but, like, make sure you talk to people who have different views than you and listen to them, because then it gives you a view on their perspective. Yeah, exactly. Just shutting them out and saying, that, he's an idiot, he's evil. Like, that, I think, is really destructive and doesn't really accomplish much, and there's a lot to do with, like, the amount of hate right now in the world. Or not in the world, but definitely in this country. And I just, you know, listening is cool. We should try it. Yeah, I feel that. We always get too real. (laughs) Well, that's what we do. That's what I do for sure. Anything else you want to talk about? Who do you think? um, Speaking of um, combative vitriolic assholes, um, John Tortorella is one of them. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's a very accurate and uh, subtle transition. <laughs> uh, thank you. But, um, yeah, so he basically said that he would, didn't he say, like, he would bench anybody who didn't stand during the national anthem or some such thing? Yeah, he basically said, like, if they sit during the national anthem, they'll stay there the rest of the game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, my, my like, dream scenario would be every single player sits. <laughs> like, what, do you fucking go out there? Question. Is there a, a single... Um, person of color in Team USA. <laughs> on Team North America, there definitely is. Seth Jones. He's American. I don't know if on Team USA there is a player of color. I could be wrong, but... I don't know. Is is Seth Jones on Team USA, though? He's American. But I'm I pretty sure he is because they asked... Because after Torts said that, they asked Seth Jones what he thought about that. I don't remember if he's on... North America, Team USA. Yeah, Seth Jones is on Team North America. 
Who's going to win the World Cup of, Cup of Hockey, Catherine? I mean, I think Team Canada is the obvious choice. I think Team Canada will win. And I kind of want them to win because Bergeron and Marshawn are Team Canada. And I meant to bring this up earlier, but I forgot. Here it goes. I'm really excited for Brad Marchand for this tournament because right now, the lineup, I believe, has him, Bergeron, and Crosby as the first line. And, like, I just want Brad Marchand to wise it up and prove people and say that he's nothing but a pass absolutely. And like if you paid attention to season last year, he scored over 30 goals. So he's obviously a very gifted goal scorer and one of the, the most elite winners in the league. But I really hope that this tournament pushes him up to an, another level of people knowing that like he is really a player to be reckoned. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's how Torts wants him to play. <laughs> I mean, he's on Team Canada, though, so obviously. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. What I meant to say was I don't think that's the style that, like, Tortorella is going to force him to play, like, based on how he's playing his opponents. But that's not the only team they're playing, so I'll yeah. give him that. I can hope. And, I mean, I just – I love Brad Marchand. And, um, and I also – I hope that Bergeron also has that sort of a season to show that offensive – because he gets a lot of credit for being defensively amazingly talented. But he is an amazing talent offensively. Like I want them to show off. Yeah, it's so interesting because he is playing. He's a he's playing winger right now to Crosby, right? Even though basically, he, I, it's because Canada is so strong up the middle, they couldn't, in good conscience, cut off Bergeron. So like, fuck it, just put him on the wing. Which is so interesting because I he's like, I mean, he's won the Selkie. You know, like he's clearly yeah. like the fact that <laughs> Canada man, they're so stacked. <laughs> they're yeah, not- and actually, I remember I read an article that in. Crosby's first World Juniors or something or other. The first, or it, it was a World Junior tournament. Bergeron and Crosby were on the same team. Crosby was going to be in the NHL next season. Bergeron was already playing on the Bruins. And apparently, they got really, really tight on that team. Aww. They became really good friends. And apparently, Bergeron was giving Crosby and a bunch of the other guys on the team a lot of advice about playing in the NHL. And it was basically Crosby's like, yeah, he's like an amazing player. Like, I love playing with him, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, let us rekindle this. Yeah. And like, Brad Marshall and Sidney Crosby are both, I think, from Nova Scotia. So they practice over the summer together. And I'm like, come on, guys. That's amazing. And like, I am not surprised. Bergeron seems like that kind of wholesome person that Sidney Crosby seems like, you know? They seem like they'd get along. Yeah. And like, wholesome and kind of boring. It's kind of like how Marshy and Gallagher seem like they should get along, you know? Which yeah. they do because we, we, we saw that. So, so you think Canada? I think Canada will win. I think Sweden has a good shot. Really? Sweden always does. They always like, they won silver in the Olympics in Sochi. Like, they always, I feel like Sweden always, it's the kind of thing where they're very skilled. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where you don't think Sweden. Like, Russia has a lot of talent up front, but on defense, they're not that great. But Sweden is a well-balanced team. They're not as, like, flashy as Team Canada, I don't think, but they're a well-balanced team. And they have definitely, honestly, I think they're a better team than Team USA by a long shot, especially with Team USA. Coach. I can't. I can't respect Team USA with that coach. No. Oh, it's just... Also... Yeah, also the fact that he's... uh, No. He was, like, the face of the USA. No, that's not my... That's not my country. I don't feel proud of that. I want Phil Kessel, but he's injured. Yeah. That's why I want... um, 
I kind of am rooting for North America because I was talking about this on Twitter because um, I don't think any of them have been in any like massive scandals yet. They're too young. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, I can root for them. And I can root for Team North America because they're a um, dateable age for us. So that's exciting. Okay. Okay. That came out of like way out of right field, but like, okay, yeah, say, I'll see it. It's such a weird feeling to like, be like, oh yeah, he's in the NHL and like it wouldn't be weird. Some of them are younger like, than us and it's really fucked up. <laughs> I think Connor McDavid is about my age. Yeah. Like he was born in August of 97, as was I. And that's, like that's, means he's crazy. younger than me. Like, oh yeah. my God, why? What am I doing in my life? <laughs> well, I guess I'm getting a bachelor's oh, degree God, and he's... <laughs> now we're going to existential crisis mode, so you know we need to wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, even though it's been quite yeah. a while. Yeah, thanks for listening and uh, sticking with us after a long, long hiatus, um, unplanned. It won't happen again, we promise. Yeah, we'll see. We'll try to figure it out. Hopefully we'll be at least twice a month, bi-weekly. Bi-weekly can also mean twice a week. That's not what we mean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or weekly. So <laughs> we'll, um, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>